Welcome to the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. Welcome to the Prog Talks, an interview series by the Prog Space where we will be talking to musicians in all corners of the progressive music scene. Welcome to the Prog Talks. Once again with me, Uncle Prog. And once again, I have uh, exciting British bands with me. Two musicians, drummer Tom Rice and guitarist Dan White from Conum. Welcome, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Both at the same time. Hi. Thanks for having us. <laughs> well, of Glad course. used to that. That always happens when you have more than one interviewee, but I'll try to guide us through it. You know, it's been a few months since that release of yours, the debut album, which is self-titled, right? It was released mm. uh, on the 26th of February. So I guess you've had some time to look at the reception from fans and reviewers. Are you happy with the, the feedback you have been getting since, since the release, uh, Tom? Yeah, yeah, really happy. Um, we've sort of cheated a bit because it, it is a debut a debut album, but me and Dan have been in a band together for about ten years, so um, <laughs> cheated a bit there. But as far as far as the release, yeah, it's it's gone much better than we thought, really, because it's the first time we've started getting to a lot of people who you know are in different countries, have no affiliation with the band, but just purely like the like the music and want to check it out. So. Um, yeah, it's been been really enjoyable. You uh, Dan, happy with the the feedback, the reviews, everything? I've seen you been getting quite a few. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's gone. It's been pretty much entirely positive, uh, thankfully, which is a a nice a nice thing to to see after you've spent so long uh, working on stuff. Um, I think part of it is. Um, the, the the difference i guess uh with this album uh between between this and the the last eps we, we we put a hell of a lot more work into it and we had we took a lot more of a guidance i guess um especially from uh yourself and pauline and i think that's really helped us elevate it like um we pretty much came into it uh, from obscurity because we we spent the last what seven or so years um releasing music and playing as ascent um changed our name pretty much without any uh yeah <laughs> any announcement and then we, we come out with this album so i mean it's a it's a bit of a christmas miracle we've we've done so well with it <laughs> in february in february <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i i uh you know uh, for any new band it's of course it's a is a it's difficult to to make it into you know magazines and get your name out there or whatever but it seems you guys have pushed hard and and done a good job of it you know what is the challenges of being like a self uh managed band sort of and and, and trying to get out there dan i think uh, it's the same question for everyone how do you get people to listen to your music yeah and um i don't think there's one real answer to that um a lot of it will be sort of brute strength sort of throwing it as as many people as possible um but we were I think we were quite keen to sort of target um at least for the reviewers and the radio shows and stuff like that um really prog centric we had a couple of um metal centric uh, i guess targets as well um amazingly we managed to get into an uh i think the may edition of a uh, metal hammer yeah uh, i saw Germany, that um which is <laughs> out of the blue but uh really cool um but yeah it's um it's it's a challenge, but it's 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 nice seeing it's nice seeing the pickup. I mean, you get you get all your nice stats whenever you like log into Bandcamp and Spotify, and then you look at the the map of who's listening. You think, God, why is someone on in Australia listening to us? <laughs> yeah, but that must be a nice feeling to be able to see those you know people across the world actually you know listening and enjoying the album, right? Right, Tom. Mm. Yeah, yeah, completely. Um, and I mean, I think we sent one CD to Japan and I just had like a smile on my face for about three weeks solid after that. Cause I'm obsessed with Japan. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, going back to the challenges of it, it's been a it's been a good learning experience, and yourself and Pauline really helped um, a lot. Like you gave us a big leg up in terms of um, you know how to do a press kit for people who who are a good good people to connect with. Um, and then also like Dan sort of figured out the Facebook side of it as well. So that helped yeah. us, um, a lot because we never, we've, we've basically been a bit, um, lethargic with the social media for the past four or five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dan actually figuring it out and pushing it, um, was really good as well. So yeah, very happy. Yeah. As someone yeah. who is not like, you know, the biggest fan of social media myself i can see this the struggle of both you know trying to use these um platforms to to get the best out of your promotion and at the same time you know you you really wanted to be about the music and the and spend your time on on the music so so but i think you you guys seem to have done a a, a good job of it you you mentioned tom that you guys have been playing together for 10 years uh so and I wanted to ask a bit about the history of the band because I think I didn't really um, uh, sort of get my eyes to open to you until that um, EP released last year. So can you tell me a little bit about how Konom started, you know, why you decided to change the name from Ascent and and this whole uh, history? Um, yeah, I mean, so me and Danny met over Join My Band um, which is just, it's not the world's best website, really. You don't actually expect any good bands to come out of it, but 10 years later, here we are. Um, and we started jamming and, um, Danny had a roommate that played bass called Koss and we found a guy called Andy online who played keyboards and basically we sort of built it from there. We released an instrumental EP, uh, did a lot of gigging around Manchester uh, got Aya on board to do some singing and released another EP. And then we started writing the album, the, the, the Konam album that's just come out. And one of the things we thought was, um, it's quite hard to find a unique band name. Ascent itself, um, it's quite hard to like differentiate, differentiate, say, uh, I can't sell <laughs> differentiate yeah. yourself from a lot of other bands yeah and i think we discovered there was like one band in our rehearsal space called ascent as well and we're like, oh, right we need oh really a band yeah we need a name that if you google us you actually get our band um yeah so that began like an eighth month process of trying to find a band name we all liked um which fun like thankfully we got there in the end me and Danny are big nerds about sci-fi. We both like uh, the Foundation series by Asimov. And at that point, we were sort of borderline just trawling for cool sounding words. <laughs> uh, and Danny sent that over and we stuck with it. So, well, yeah, the- I, I guess, you know, you're not the first band that, that sort of picked a, a, a nice name for their for their band just to find out that there are like 10 other projects and bands using the same moniker when you Google it. Right. So, so yeah, again- I mean, like, I'm um, sorry. I was just gonna say I'm sat here in a cynic t-shirt, you know, we all love tool, but if you were trying to make a band with either of those names now, there'd be like five other bands who already have a Facebook domain and you can't sort of assert yourself. Um, yeah, so you have to find something a bit more obscure or unique or yeah, absolutely. So, so, uh, well, uh, you know, yeah. uh, um, it's sort of a, a, like the standard question that I hate to ask, but I feel I, <laughs> I need to do it anyway, because people need to know, you know, how would you describe the music you, you make? Dan. Neither of us want to answer that. <laughs> Both of um, you were like, I hope that's not for me. <laughs> 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 was it? I feel I feel like I had a good definition of it a while ago. It's a sort of um I think a lot of people might identify a bit more as the sort of classical side of, you know, prog metal in the nineties, your sort of early dream theater, your fate's warning. Um yeah. but with it just a bit more of sort of modern uh influences in there. So, you know, things like obviously Mishuka, Devon Townsend have had a pretty big impact on the progressive metal sphere. Um and they they influence a lot of people who will in turn influence us. So um, I like to it's think quite, we we 
hit a good sort of blend of the the classical and the the modern. Yeah, I was going to say we're all um, we all have our favourite sort of older prog bands as well, like Yes and King Crimson, and um, Johnny's massively into Genesis. Mm. So that sort of it's it's there's definitely a, a hint of um, the '90s progressive metal more than a hint. Um, but we feel like it's got a bit more substance because we like the stuff they liked as well, you know? Um, so yeah, it might yeah. be, it might be just me, but I also sort of felt like there was, uh, a hint of like eighties neoprog, you know, the Marillions and Pendragons and all those bands in, in your music, which sort of, uh, made me a bit like eager because, you know, that's not, uh, a, a decade you hear uh, younger bands, you know, take inspiration from so much. So it's like you said, it's like this early '90s traditional prog metal mixed with '70s, some '70s, like the, the the big bands of the genre. But also, I felt like there was some some neo prog in there. Am I am I completely off uh, field with this? Uh? <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't say so. It's uh, to be honest, it's something that. Well, from from this release, is, um, I've, I've been surprised to see quite often um, a lot of sort of Marillion um, comparisons have been have been brought up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I guess go ahead. Sorry, no, go on, mate. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it would be to I, I like a lot of the sort of um, happy sort of melodies that you might you might get with some of these sort of neo eighties neo prog bands. So, yeah, I think that that will be some sort of sort of influences come in. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, um, going back to Johnny, like in Genesis as well, there's obviously a big Genesis imprint on Neo Prog with bands like IQ and Marillion. And I think if you're making, if that's your sort of taste, it's, it's definitely going to sort of blend in as well. You know, as soon as you hear a lot of Mellotron, then you think, yeah, of course. <laughs> then, then that 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 comes up. Of course, is is a natural feeling to have that that to to hear those uh, influences. You know, uh, well, I, I, and and uh, then you changed your name to to Konom and and you released the album and. Uh, but you also had some. I believe there were some lineup changes between the EP and. The album, right? So the EP was <laughs> released in March 2020, and then the album about a year later. So what happened in between? So I think the the EP um, that we released in 2020 was a remix and remaster of our 2015. Um, so I'm, I'm, I can't really remember the the years, but I think maybe 2016, 2017. Uh, Chris and Andy, who played bass and keyboards. Uh, left the band um, pretty much in the middle of the the writing uh, process mm. for the album. So um, I think the the first two tracks quite a heavy uh, influence from their uh, contributions. Uh, whereas the the second two songs were written at the same time that we were looking for other members. So um, yeah. Jonathan and Benjamin came in and they sort of put their um, put their ideas forward uh, for that. Well, I, I, yeah. uh, talking about that, you know, putting the, the IDs in, who, who does the songwriting for, for Conum and how do you guys work when creating new music? Are, are you, well, of course now we're in Corona time still, and that means that a lot of bands work more digitally and sending, you know, files to each other, but in a, in an optimal way, or before this happened, were you the kind of musicians that you know, got together in the rehearsal room and worked out the tracks or do you like send is like someone coming up with a full ID or how, how does your songwriting process work and who's sort of the main songwriters Dan? Um, I think it's a combination of what you just mentioned. We, when, when before Corona, but whenever I was living in Manchester, we would have fairly regular, um, jam sessions. Yeah. Um, where we would you know, flesh out quite a lot of ideas of a lot of jams and see what comes uh, from them. Uh, but at the same time, there was that element of, you know, um, I would do quite a lot of the songwriting and I would put forward sort of um, song ideas, riff ideas. Um, and then myself and Tom would just uh, bounce them in the, in the practice space. 
to see um, if they if there were any good uh, and what sort of things uh, came naturally just from playing them. Yeah, and if we could play them as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think as the as as it's gone along, there's been a bit more of a focus on writing in the computer to check because it's just a, it's all a bit more uh, intricate. Um, so I mean, I, Danny writes a lot, obviously on guitar. And it's not all programmed or whatever, but um, just to make sure the arrangements work out and we have the flexibility, there's quite a lot of that and quite a lot of demoing back and forth as well. Um, just so we've got constant recordings to kind of reflect on with it. Um, and you need someone to, I guess, listen back to it and make sure you're not going too far off into well, the into the deep end. Well, of course, yeah. of course. But sometimes but that's, cut cut a couple of minutes off those uh, rambling uh, frog <laughs> sections. <laughs> well, but that means that you guys are sort of the main doing the main songwriting for the band. You know, are, what about the, the the rest of the musicians that are in the band now? Do they? contribute to songwriting or to sort of the shaping of the songs once the IDs are out or how does that work? I think um, Benjamin and Johnny, they, they, they sort of came in a bit, uh, bit late on the yeah. songwriting front. Um, more or less everything was sort of in place and we, we, it was more the, the arrangement and sort of changing small bits. Um, but I think for sure from the future, it's going to be, going to be less, centric on on my writing uh, we're yeah. gonna have uh, well we already have some ideas um being thrown about um, from uh from johnny and from benjamin so um i think it's going to be a more uh it's going to be a good collaborative yeah effort. more of a band effort and yeah i was going to say when when chris and andy were still in the band there was still they were very much involved with it as well ah yeah at the time so so but as they they left during the writing um a lot of it was written by the time that Benjamin and Johnny came in. Um, but it's, it's been good because those two are both quite, they've got a lot of character to what they do. You know, Benjamin just plays a fretless bass and has his own tone and, and you know, it's a bit different. And then Johnny loves his orchestral stuff. So even though they weren't necessarily involved in the composition, they made a big impact on the overall production. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree with that. Of course, the, the EP is, is, like you guys mentioned, a, a remixed and remastered. So it, the, the songs are much older, but it's it's very clear, you know, that this new album is, is quite a step up from you, you know, f- for you guys. Uh, how how would you like... Uh, if you if you were all if I asked you you know the changes between you know you recorded that stuff that's on the EP and now you know what's what's the improvements what's what's the big changes to the sound of Conan, uh, Tom? Um, I mean, it's it's mostly experience, I think. Mm. Um, because for example, the drums, it's the same drum kit, same room, same microphones. In fact, we use this microphone. It's very microphone. Um, so yeah, there's lots of nerdy stuff that we basically got wrong in on the the EP, and we just didn't get it wrong this time. Mm. You know, like keeping the drums in phase um, and that sort of thing. And I think the mixing as well. So the part of the reason we put that out is we basically wanted to practice mixing on something that wasn't the album. So yeah. we thought, you know. We, we weren't, um, we knew we could make some improvements on the mix. So we used that as a learning experience, released it, and then moved on to the album. Um, but yeah, in terms of the production, we've just, just learned a lot more. I know Danny's got lots of new toys as well to play with on guitar wise. Um, and yeah. Quite, quite typical yeah. for musicians, right? To, to keep, <laughs> you know, not only improving your, your skills, but also your set of equipment, right? Which means that there are new options that become available in a way, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, thing, things as simple as these, uh, these new profiling amps uh, from Camper means you can sort of just sit in your room and you can have the exact tone you want. You don't have to dial it in or mic up an amp. You can sort of just even record or yeah. as little or as long as you want. Um, and that that was at least helpful. Uh, I think a lot of the stress of it is when you have a, a time constraint, you sort of sit there and just like, oh, well, that's good enough. That'll have to do. Yeah. Whereas this time we're able to sit and meticulously, um, you know, <laughs> maybe I didn't play that chord with enough uh, 
with enough zazz, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that chord again. You know, it's a lot a lot more freedom, a lot more time to do things. Um, yeah, I think we just yeah. we would. Sorry, go ahead. Go no, I was just gonna say we we definitely dialed up the OCD on this album as well. There was like, you know, five page word documents with half a DB changes on keyboard patches and stuff like that. Yeah, going back and forth just because uh, we wanted it. You know, we wanted to listen to it and not have that feeling of like, oh. I wish I'd tweaked that, you know, I don't think there's a single moment production wise where we could have tweaked it or got it any more sat how we wanted it to. Um, so, yeah, well, I, I wanted to, to, to talk about that because, you know, of course, uh, these, these modern times sort of bring new, bring the, these opportunities for people to record, you know, more in their own studios or at home, which means that you don't get those time that time pressure that you would have if you you know you're on the clock with your you can see your money running away as the <laughs> hours in the studio go by but at the same time i guess you know that means that you have to figure out everything yourself you don't have the benefit of having like a studio with a setup and a someone in there who knows exactly the room and everything so so how was the the album uh, recorded then and over what period when did you start recording for the album and and how did you put it all together to 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 make make conum the album dan maybe um uh, i was i yeah. was just laughing i was going to ask tom uh, what year we recorded the drums in i can tell you yeah so um we did the drums um in may of 2018 and i remember that just because my mate had a kid on the day we were doing drums and mm. by the time we'd finished the album he was like walking and talking <laughs> um but yeah we did we did the drums at my parents house which um it's there was a bit more time pressure when you whenever you do drums because you still got to find somewhere you can be uninterrupted for a few days of course and then after that after that yeah it's, it's sort of um it's quite loose um but yeah, so we did the drums in 2018 and then we've sort of been adding to it and, and tweaking it to it up until we pretty much had it tracked apart from vocals, I think, before the lockdown. And then we spent quite a lot of time in the lockdown on the mix. Yeah. Um, but, and did you, uh, yeah, and I think... Um, did you guys sorry, record think, um, separately? Like, did you record at home in... Or did you use, you know, you didn't use the studio for this, right? You, you, what about the bass and the, and the, you know, the keyboards, was everything recorded separately or, or did you have like a home studio? Do one of you have a home studio where you, you made that happen? No, it's all, all online. Uh, yeah. Well, I say, yeah, pretty much. I mean, Danny, Danny was living with me for part of it. Mm. Um, so there was quite a lot of back and forth then and I, um, but yeah, um, it's it's probably it's a bit embarrassing, really, to to admit to. But we've met Johnny in person once, um, you know, and the rest of the time he's he, like he's a legend. He, j he just gets everything done and sends it over to us. Um, and yeah, obviously yeah. we're hoping to start seeing a lot more of him now because well, we got to know him and then COVID happened. But yes, of um, of course, and and this is a story that that a lot of the bands I've been talking to tell, you know, they, they talk about how they haven't been able to see each other for, you know, a year or more. And of course, when you're bringing new musicians into a band like that, it, that can be a challenge, but it seems to have worked out well for you that you have clicked, yeah. even if you were unable to actually get together so much and, and, and work together. Right. Um, well, yeah, we, so, yeah, we, we, we jammed with Johnny once. Um, I actually, I went up to uh, where he lives um, for a couple of sessions during the recording uh, because I'm a bit, um, I'm a bit precious about like the, the sounds that I, I, I wanted to hear in the album. So I sort of went up to, to sit with them and just, um, just go through uh, everything. Cause it's quite difficult whenever you're sending you know, files across and you say, Oh, what about this lead sign? And then he says, Oh, what about this lead sign? It's just like, well, yeah. If um if I was there, it would be a ten second job rather than a you know hour to, uh, hour between every time. So we had a, a good couple of sessions like that, um, and I think we 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 got some some pretty good uh, some pretty good signs out of it. Um, but I mean for for sure it, it's it's going to be difficult. But um, I think it'll be we'll we'll definitely make an effort to to turn it into something that 
is a band rather than a, a collection of people well, working on a, on a on a project. Well, of course, and, yeah. and now I guess it's it's you know now the pandemic is sort of slowly getting under control, and and these options will hopefully open up for you guys to 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 actually be more of a, a band, right? Yeah, I mean, it'd be great to just get in. We still have a rehearsal space uh, that I do some teaching out of. So it'd be great to get in there um, whenever Danny's down and Benjamin's in the area. So we're definitely planning to... There's only so much you can do not in the same room, as Danny was saying. So you need occasional meetings to consolidate everything and check it's all working. Mm. You need just ideas bouncing back back and forth in real time to really, really cement it in. You know, you, you know, you mentioned that the drums were recorded back in 2018. So, so how old is the oldest al- uh, oldest material on the album then? And what is the oldest parts? And what is the the stuff that's written most currently on the album? Uh, well, I think. Come <laughs> go on, Dan. I think. Um, I think the the first track, so the first track's pretty old. Originally, uh, Prelusion, which was our um, EP in 2015. Yeah. Um, we wanted to have this as a three-track EP, and A Welcome Change was earmarked to be on that um, EP. Um, but it, it got to the point where the rest of the tracks were ready. This one wasn't quite ready, and we just thought, you know what, we're not gonna we're not gonna rush this through and have it half baked. So let's just shelve it for the time being and and uh, continue with that. So Welcome Change will be something around six years old. I think going back to 2014 for some of the first ideas. Yeah. Um, but I, I think maybe um, The Great Harvest is probably the youngest of the tracks. Uh, yeah. I think that was completed fairly, fairly, close, to the, um, fairly close to the recording uh, sessions because it does get to a point uh, whenever you're writing when you sort of just need to look at look at the time you've been writing it look at when you're going to record and think yeah this just needs to be just needs to put a pin in it somewhere and 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 get on with it um so i think there was a couple of months between we were happy with the the structure of uh the great harvest uh, and starting the drums recording yeah okay pretty, Uh, pretty quick turnaround if you are enjoying this interview, please head over to theprogspace.com for more reviews, articles, pictures and interviews all about progressive music. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. theprogspace.com So I wanted to ask a little bit about the lyrical content of Conum. You know, the the album consists for the most part of one long suite called The Great Harvest, part one to five. What is this great harvest? And and is it a concept or a theme on the album? <laughs> you look very thoughtful, the both of you know. And, uh, <laughs> um, wow, yeah. Um that is a difficult one for us to answer. <laughs> I, I think a lot of it, um, I'm speaking for you here, it's, it's his department, obviously, or <clears throat> was at the time. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of it's about, um, he's quite a spiritual guy, so I think a lot of it's about sort of learning to understand yourself and reap the harvest of um, yeah. as you move through life you know, making improvements and understanding yourself, um, better. But I, th- you know, he's, he, I think his way of writing lyrics is he wants to leave it. So it's open to interpretation. Yeah. So, you know, someone else can come in and, and get something fresh out of it. Um, so in that sense, he's, he, he doesn't want to sit there and talk you through it. You know, it's, he wants it to be personal to you. Um, so yeah i and i think yeah. i think that's uh that's like really good lyrics it's just like poetry you know you it it means different things to different people and i don't know if you guys have had that experience where you love a band and then you listen to it when you're in your early 20s and the lyrics mean one thing and then you revisit it 
a few years later and suddenly with added life experience, the lyrics seem to mean something else. So I guess, you know, that having that spiritual side of it is, is uh, important. And is, uh, uh, are the lyrics connected to the album cover, which is beautiful, by the way, you know, tell me a little bit about that cover and uh, who's the artist for that? Um, that's a guy we know who's a bass player for a great band called The River Versus, and I've I've known him on and off through various um, various bands for years. He's called Jimmy Trippier. Is that mm-hmm. his? Yeah, I've no idea. I look at the name and I think Jimmy Trippier. Yeah, yeah. We're saying it very northern there. It sounds like it mm-hmm. should be fr- like a French pronunciation a bit. Um, so we just hired him to do it, and he's incredible. He's the easiest guy to work with. Mm. Uh, he's he's just done all our t-shirt designs. Um, we we again going back to the sort of Asimov thing. There's there's a few planets on that where there's there's yeah. quite a stark. It's like because um, a lot of it's about the it's like a science fiction fall of the Roman Empire. So there'd be like these great old buildings and then feudal people living around them, not knowing what they were looking at. So in the same sense, you've kind of got this sort of farmer society and then this orb at the end and it's um it's about that sort of disconnect in a sense but we gave him quite a bare bones we gave him that sort of idea and then he just completely ran with it um Mm -hmm. and nailed it because now we're talking about the science fiction writer isaac asimov of course and is is this uh his foundation books that you are sort of inspired by with this uh concept of and, and the name of course and yeah, um, it's not it's not like a a concept album o- about the books, but we just like them very much, and that's something that's like a, a common overlap. Yeah, um, that we all seem to like, uh, and we felt we could do something a bit. We like the sort of retro angle of it a bit as well. It's a bit different. Um, so yeah, that's where we went with it. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that's you know you mentioned how. Uh, your previous vocalist, Arya, was the the person who wrote these lyrics now. So I guess that brings it into me asking about, you know, he recently decided to leave the band. So what what happened there? And are you guys currently searching for a new singer then? Or do you have someone in mind maybe? Or or do you have any, any info for me on that, <laughs> Dan? <laughs> Uh, no, no info um, as of yet. We're not actively um, seeking at the moment. I think we're just um, at the moment finding our feet with what we're going to um, continue to do musically. Um, yeah. uh, as as um, we, we, I think we just naturally got to the to the point where um, we just had different uh, visions for what the the band and the music was uh, was about. There was a bit of disconnect between what we were striving for and what Arya was striving for. So it yeah. seemed like after this uh, album, the natural sort of time to, to part ways um, and it's done. Um, we're, we're still on amicable terms and all that. So yeah. no, no bad blood. Um, but yeah, for, for, for um, it's, it's a, it's a question of, of our future music, isn't it? Um, what sort of shape, um, what sort of shape it will take and, whether that necessarily needs vocals. Um, I think um, I think at the moment we're not worrying too much about it. We're not going to actively, you know, say, oh, we need to have vocals or say yeah. we're not going to have vocals. Um, it's, it's, it, I think it's a, a case of what, what happens, happens, you know. Well, uh, I think... Um, yeah, go ahead, Tom. So, sorry, I was just going to say, um, you know, we've not got a label to keep happy or anything and, and we can go back and forth if we wanted to just put out three minute instrumental songs on spotify for the next 10 years we could do but don't worry we're not going to um but (laughs) oh maybe we will but we've got we've got complete flexibility so if we you know if there's no pressure to find a singer it'd be nice to have one um but we can also we've been an instrumental band before we can explore that for, for some time as well um and I think there's a danger of of trying to like fall into old ways of thinking in terms of, you know, we need a singer. Well, we don't always, you know, we can do it exactly how we want to with the tools that are out there, which is nice. Yeah. But on the other hand, you know, now that, as we mentioned earlier, the, 
pandemic is sort of winding down a bit and, and hopefully chances for you guys will come to to get on stage and perform some of this material. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's, of course, you could perform it instrumentally and you could probably do different things with it uh, in that way. But would you consider, you know, uh, hiring like a guest vocalist or something then to, to perform the album? Tom? Um, I don't know. I don't know about hiring someone. I mean, it's not out of the question. As you say, we're still on, on, on reasonable terms with I, so something could happen there. Yeah. Um, for the sake of putting a full stop on everything. Exactly. Um, but yeah. we were, yeah, I mean, we, we were out and about performing the, the material anyway before we released it, which is just another strange thing that we did. Um, so it has been gigged and 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 there were we've done some live videos as well. There's a new one on Thursday. Um although I just realized this podcast will be going out after it. So yeah, so, it'll be so already built. Look on screen, <laughs> it will a link will sh- show up on screen here for you to <laughs> click and, Thank you very and watch much. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so we'll just have to play it by ear, you know. Um yeah. and figure out the logistics of it all. I think we were quite keen to figure out how to, how to write with the new set setup first. And then off the back of that, figure out where we yeah. stand in terms of gigging. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I want to move on a little bit in to you guys more, more, you know, your musical history, you know, you, the, the, bam, the band's music definitely falls in the progressive music category. So what is your inspirations when it comes to progressive music? What sort of the first bands you listened to in the genre and, and, and made you fall in love with the genre? Uh, Dan? Um, I think um, for, for the longest time I was into some fairly, I guess, in the prog- progressive world, some fairly uncool things. Um, but um, one one memory sort of uh, stands out, which I think probably changed my um, <laughs> my musical course. Um, a friend of mine uh, just just one day on the bus on the way to school, he sort of just put put these headphones in my ears and said, "Listen to that," um, and it was uh, the title track from "Follow the Reaper," and I just I just lost my mind. Mm-hmm. I never heard uh, music being played like that before. You know the the mix of the neoclassical guitar and the keyboards. So I think that's what sort of started me off looking at um, the whole sphere of, uh, of progressive metal. Um, yeah. And sort of naturally you, you get onto your, you know, your big hitters, your, your dream theaters and all that. Um, yeah. Stuff like that, that. It just sort of um, snowballs. Children of Bowden. Yeah. 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 What about yeah, you, Tom? Said. What about you, Tom? What's your sort of the first uh, encounters with prog? And did you like it in like early on? Did you like it when you first heard it, or was it like an acquired taste? Or yeah, I, I was just thinking. It's funny, Danny said "Children of Bowden" then, because obviously, like I had a bit of a re-listen to them after um, everything that happened with yeah, the singer Deep Post away, um, Yeah, yeah, and. They, I think they actually, again, I never, I, it's just clicking now, but um, I think I got Are You Dead Yet when it came out mm. and I was on a, on a metal, I was getting like progressively more, um, pun not intended, but um, more into technical metal as I went. So I think the yeah. first album that like blew my head off in that sense was Rust in Peace by Megadeth, which is quite technical for a lot of the thrash Ab- stuff. And then it must have... Yeah, and there's there's some like longer arrangements and some weirder stuff on there, and then I just must have gone through that to Dream Theater. I, I had a lot of friends who were into Jethro Tull, and yes, and yeah. like Rick Waitman, just like basically really weird kids um, at the time. But you know, we'd just be driving around listening to the Mushroom Forest by Rick Waitman, um, and I was big on like Cynic and and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can't pinpoint exactly when I got into it. I think it was from the metal angle and then I just got heavy into the seventies stuff as well after that. Yeah. What um, about the, what about your instruments? You know, what, what made you decide to pick up the guitar and, and the drumsticks uh, for you, you, Tom, you know, when did you, when did you start playing and, and, and what was sort of the, did you have like <laughs> some, some musicians, musicians tell me they like have a moment when they, 
go to a gig or hear an album or see like a, a band, uh, a music video or something. It's like, I, I want to do that. Was it like that with you, Dan, or was it more like a gradual thing? Yeah, it was sort of gradual for me. Um, I, I, I mean, I got my first guitar and I just sort of um, went around playing sort of, you know, God, I can't even remember just sort of nothingy songs that you would hear on the radio and eventually sort of like classic rock ACDC, um, yeah. Journey, uh, Boston, these sorts of things. Um, and then eventually I sort of, I had some friends and I was just like, oh yeah, metal, metal is cool. I'm going to get a, a Jackson warrior and I'm going to start a, a metal, a thrash metal band. Yeah. Uh, and that's exactly, that's how, exactly how it uh, went. Uh, and then I think probably whenever I was 16, I, I discovered that you can have more than six strings on a guitar. So I, I sought out a, a seven string guitar and that's sort of where the, 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 the prog sort of Started journey to... began for me at least yeah. as a, as a musician. Um, and you sort of naturally find the most proggy instrument you can put off the headstock, you cut off half of the body and then you end up with a <laughs> sweet headless guitar, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah. I, I remember, I think Paul Masvidal of Cynic is the first guy I saw with a, a like a guitar like that and re receiving like endless flack from, you know, real metalheads in the 90s for <laughs> playing that headless guitar. But yeah. What about you, uh, Tom? Yeah. Tom, when did you, when did you start playing the drums and, and, and what, what got you into it? Um, I played quite a few instruments growing up and uh i had a drum kit and i was just sort of like enjoyed whacking it occasionally but wasn't that into it you know um and i started getting into heavy music but i like you know i was a big metallica fan but i hadn't quite put two and two together and started playing loads of metallica but again going back to rust in peace i think there's one christmas where my brother got me rust in peace yeah i got a brand new set of symbols for my kit and all the hardware was sorted out and it was just like I, I'm not one of those guys that shits on Lars. I think he did a great job for Metallica, but Nick Menza was playing stuff. Whereas, like, I can't play this, but I I can figure it out a little bit. Yeah, it's a challenge. It sounds cool. I've got I've got the picture of him. I got the expanded version, and there's a picture of him behind a, a drum kit with his cymbals hanging off a rack, and it just looks like he sat behind a tank. And I think I saw that when I was like 12, and thought it was the coolest thing ever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so it's a combination of all those sort of things, really. Um, and it's I've not really looked back since then. I just thought, you know, there's always been a new thing to get me into it. So by the time I was 16, it was Sean Reiner with Cynic. And that's yeah. a whole well of... And going back to you, talking about the headless guitars, you know, that's that's an Alan Holdsworth thing, I think. Of course so it is, So those yeah. guys, are, you know, so like then you get into that and there's, there's um, yeah, there's an infinite well of things to be into as a musician yeah if you're enough of a nerd exactly <laughs> once you start to touch on the, the musicians that inspired these bands that you like right like looking at the jazz fusion inspirations of cynic of course that opens a whole new world of of, of music so it's then it only becomes really how much money and how much time do you have to explore <laughs> explore these new genres and and you know it's it's uh, this uh, it's like a a whole whole universe of, of great music. So you mentioned uh, Reinhardt and you mentioned uh, you know uh, Megadeth and 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 the the drums there. What about you, Dan? Do you have like some some uh, guitarist that you are like you know that's high up on your your list of inspirations? Um, I went through phases, you know, um, I mentioned uh, Children of Bodom a while yeah. ago, so I went through a bit of a Alejo stage um, and that sort of progressed on. Um, obviously, my playing has been uh, inspired by quite a, quite a, well, I'd say some fairly big names. You're, you're sort of Joe Satriani, Steve Vise, yeah. uh, Petruzzi back in the day, um, but more more recently I'm trying to, but I, I tried um uh, say try um yeah i definitely did try to get into the whole um blues jazz fusion sort of side of things so um alan holdsworth um a couple of other names mike stern um mm. 
uh, Scott Henderson, these sort of guys oh, who yeah. are doing so, some fairly, course, fairly yeah. crazy things. Yeah. Um, and then recently I've sort of, I'm, I'm in a, I mean, you see, I'm in a big, <laughs> yeah. big Pliny phase Pliny, at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> his his most recent album, I, I sat down and tried to learn some of the licks and it, it just changes the way you sort of look at the fretboard. I think um, you, you sort of, depending on who you sort of grew up listening to and trying to, to imitate, it, yeah. it sort of makes you see the, the fretboard in a different sort of way. So whenever you sit down and think, wow, I, I, I would never have thought to do, you know, a run like that, play this sequence of notes. Um, yeah. And people like, people like Tom Quayle as well, just absolutely open a, a Pandora's box of guitar techniques and, and licks and just ways of appreciating how you look at your instrument. Yeah. You know, uh, you, you mentioned other musicians, other bands, and you know, uh, I, I want to get a bit, bit more local because I feel like the Manchester scene is like very healthy and very, you know, vibrant when it comes to progressive music. There seems to be in, in the area around there as well, uh, quite a lot of bands, you know, you guys have both been, you know, you Dan play with Paul Sadler in, in Spires, of course, and, and you Tom played on his solo album. And there are also other, other, uh, you know, lots of other bands in that area. What can you tell me about the, the scene in Manchester, uh, Tom? Um, I, th I think it's, well, as you say, it's pretty decent. I haven't, I've never lived anywhere else, so I can't, and maybe I've taken it for granted in a sense. Like I just assume everywhere has 10 prog bands that are all obsessive like no. we are. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, th there's a lot of good bands as well. You know, there's, there's prognosis who do well. Um, there's, there's a lot of like stoner metal and different types of things outside of that, that you can, that can cross over quite a lot. There's a band I saw on um, the Spotify prog metal playlist called Boss Keloid. Yeah. Boss. Who are. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. That. Yeah. And, and they're, I think they're in Wigan. They're just outside of Manchester, but they sort of come in and I just think um, a city of this size is quite good to be creative because you can get a con like a, a lot of people, in a condensed area, but it's not so expensive that you have to be all be bankers or whatever. It's no, it's, exactly. You, know, you yeah. can exist. And like, we still just about have a solid rehearsal area for bands. There's, there's a mill called Brunswick mill where our studio is and a lot of the other bands practice. Um, and that works as a good hub. You know, I think spires have been in there on and off. Yeah. Um, and it's still affordable at the moment. So it's, it's a good, area for people to be creative really there's lots of venues as well to yeah. help with that yeah i wanted to ask about that you know is there uh, and and that's as part of you know future plans or upcoming plans for you guys in konum you know are there places to play around you do you have any you know shows coming up or do you have any plans to do it or now that that the possibility might be arriving finally to to do some some live shows uh well there's lots of places to play we haven't got any plans as it stands but mm. um you know <clears throat> try again you know it, it's i don't know what the i'm getting booked up for like my work side of playing music but i don't know what the originals i think they're still being a bit cagey about it yet and seeing if the restrictions do actually lift before, exactly. before they start offering gigs um so we'll just have i think we're just gonna have to play it by ear for a few months and see yeah. where the lay of the land is um but it would be nice to get out gigging definitely well well we're, we're we're coming up on those 50 minutes i i usually go for but i i want to ask you finally then or, or at the end you know are you guys working on new music then or will there will there be a follow-up to konom at at some point i hope so dan uh yeah and i think it's going to take a, an interesting sort of direction um I think we're going to we're definitely going to involve uh, more um, more of the band sort of musical interests and yeah. influences uh, more than uh, just solely looking at uh, maybe myself and my uh, myself and Tom's uh, sort of influences. Um, like we were saying, uh, Johnny's really big into his uh, Genesis and his orchestral sort of stuff. Um, yeah, and it's going to be it's going to be quite interesting to to put well, to put our footprint on that rather than having 
his footprint on our stuff, you know. It'll, it'll, it'll be an interesting sort of um, um, evolution, I think, of the band. Of course, of course, yeah. And I'm guessing also since a lot of the material on this album is, like we talk about, quite old, that means that this a lot have happened since 2015, to put it that way, both with, mm. with the band and with you guys as, as musicians and songwriters. So I'm eager to hear what, you know, what the next step of the evolution of Konom is, is going to be. Uh, well, you know, I want to thank you, uh, Dan and Tom, so much for being on the Prog Talks with me. Uh, you should all follow Konom on social media. Uh, check out their album on Bandcamp. All the links will be in the, in the description here. Uh, and even better, you should you purchase their music and actually, you know, get some money <laughs> back to the guys to help them create even more fantastic music. So I can highly recommend the, the, the album. And uh, you can listen to them, of course, on all streaming services, platforms that are available. Uh, so go out and do that. And thanks to the people... Uh, watching and listening to the prog talks uh, give us a like and a subscription if you enjoy it it helps us out a lot so thank you guys for yeah. being on the prog talks no thank thanks, you so much thanks, for having us yeah thanks for having us and thanks for all your help generally rune um we're very grateful so no problem it, it was uh, it was my pleasure with a, such a great band and great music then you know People need to hear it, so I'm very, I'm very happy that you guys have been able to get your stuff out there for people to hear. So, well, that's it, people. Until so, next time, you know, stay safe and keep spreading that prog love. The Prog Talks, produced by the Prog Space. Main host Rune Belsvikrenos. Produced by Rune Belsvik-Reynos, Vanessa and Matthias Kirsch. All graphics and animations by Vanessa Kirsch. Intro theme by Giuseppe Negri. Outro theme by Zach Munemitz. This was the Prog Talks by the Prog Space. See you in a week. <laughs>